0: everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part. A podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey everybody, welcome back to God's Plan, Your Part. Today we are in First Kings chapter 7 and Second Chronicles chapter 4. We're pretty much venturing right back into where we left off with the temple and all of its furnishings. Uh, today we're getting a little bit more detail about those specific pieces that were added. We're talking more about um, Hiram and what he brought to the table, what he was able to furnish for the temple of God. So again, lots more details. Some of this stuff seems very repetitive and things that we may have heard in the past for the tabernacle, but now going into the temple again.
1: So there is a short break in chapter seven. It's not nearly as long as all the descriptions of building the temple and stuff. Uh, But there is some things worth noticing. There's this sort of detour into Solomon building his own house. And one of the things you can notice if you look closely at the text, it says, uh, chapter seven, verse one, Solomon was building his own house 13 years, and then he finished his entire house. And what this tells us is Solomon actually spends a lot more time building his own palace uh, than he does building the temple of God. So, some people look at this and they say, hmm, that's kind of interesting that Solomon is actually a little bit more concerned about his own possessions and his own kingdom and his <laughs> own reputation uh, than God's reputation. And it could be, I, I, I don't know, it could be an early sign of like cracks in who Solomon is, in that he's not actually that concerned about God's temple. Uh, He's actually more concerned about how wonderful and splendid his own house looks and that his house actually looks better than the temple.
0: That's kind of gross. That really sounds very like prosperity gospel crazy preachers out there that have like (laughs) bazillion dollar houses.
1: So it is possible to look at that and say, hmm, I'm wondering about this Solomon guy. Is his heart in the right place or is it not? Um, The Bible doesn't explicitly say in chapter seven anything about his motivations or his heart. Um, it's just worth noticing that it's like, well, it's a little bit, it's a little bit goofy that Solomon sets out to build the temple and then is reminded that he should actually build his own house and make sure his own (laughs) house is better and bigger.
0: And actually full of many of the same things.
1: Yeah. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit weird.
0: Like huge stones. They also, he also builds a similar house for Pharaoh's daughter because that was one of his wives that mentioned that. Well,
1: Well, and we've talked about before how his alliance with Pharaoh's daughter, while oftentimes seen as very wise and uh, smart as a leadership decision, is most likely condemned by God and not allowed by God if you're following God's covenant. So Solomon, for me, is always a really difficult character. Um,
0: Well, yeah, because, like, how does he... Like, if he has all these things set up for himself and for Pharaoh's daughter... Remember, we talked so many times about, like, he was safe on all sides, how does God not just, like, interject right there and be like, hey, no?
1: Well, I mean, that that's coming. That's I definitely know, but coming. but it's not,
0: like, an immediate.
1: Well, I think oftentimes, even in our own lives, in our own situations, it's not oftentimes immediate. Mm-hmm. It's because God is long-suffering and incredibly gracious and full of mercy, and he wants us to turn from our sin. I'm reminded of the the passage in Genesis where it talks about, like, Abraham's not allowed to go to the promised land because the sins of the Amorites was not yet complete. Like God is allowing them to, I think, um, giving them more and more and more chances towards repentance. But ultimately when you turn from repentance a zillion times, you're judged. So Solomon here is like, "Mm, what's going on with this guy? Um, in amongst all the lampstands and oxen and pomegranates well, yeah, and seeds,
0: I, I think it's kind of cool that, like, aside from the, the house, because that's obviously kind of weird, um, but I think it's important that they put it in there. Like, they didn't just brush it off like, oh, well, that was one of his, like, lesser moments. Uh, but I think it's kind of cool, like, thinking of him and Hiram. Hiram? Hiram? Hiram, Hiram. I'm not sure I'm saying that Or, or anyway,
1: Hurum-Abi?
0: Whatever. That's a hard <laughs> one to say. Anyway, when I'm, like just envisioning them in my mind. Like I think of like contractors when they're like standing outside looking at this beautiful home that they just built or whatever they've built. I guess home is a little touchy after what we just said. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, i uh, just like looking at uh, like a beautiful building that they're just like very proud of. And that like, can you imagine what it would have felt like knowing that you were making the temple of the Lord, like just standing back and like taking in like the beauty of it for like this building that is for god mm-hmm. i think that's just really cool and that must have been like just kind of overwhelming at times too because it's not just a place like this was where people would be interacting with god mm-hmm. um in a way that was unique to literally everybody so i just think that's kind of cool i like to think of it in those terms because it kind of gives better perspective like it's not just oh solomon's building the temple it's like holy crap he built it and it's like there it's ready to go um and you see, like, the background of who was involved and what they had to do, although very, very repetitive. Holy cow. I'm reading it. You know those books sometimes where it's like, uh, what's that one? Like, the what's that Green Eggs and Ham book? Where they literally, like, say every single line they've said already over and over? Yeah. You know what I'm talking? That's yeah. literally what I felt like I was doing today. <laughs> sometimes when I read the Bible, it feels like I'm reading children's literature. <laughs>
1: So one of the things you uh kept got it you kept getting um kept
0: got it. tricked
1: up on or whatever uh was the sea. Oh so if yes. you're curious about what the sea is, the sea is a giant bronze tank uh that they believe <laughs> held around twelve thousand gallons of water.
0: Which would have been for washing. That was used after. for washing the
1: priests and washing all yeah. the blood of the sacrifices and cleaning everything it's up. It's like a
0: great big water tank. So it's
1: a giant water tank, yeah. And it was held up, I think, by 12 bronze oxen, which yeah, is pretty cool. Yeah, with their
0: rears facing inward.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, if you th- if you think about what this would have looked like, this was an incredible spectacle, this place, this temple. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of all the incredible size of things, the incredible use of gold and precious stones, the um, architecture, everything about it was just amazing. Which makes it even more sad when they destroy it in 586 it's just like completely utterly destroyed
0: well what's kind of cool too like if you guys were even interested like maybe just look this up online look up solomon's temple like an actual visual of it because sometimes when you're like listening through the reading it's like you can kind of envision it but when you actually take the time to look at it like what ryan was just talking about the sea that huge metal basin it's actually really cool to see it drawn out by someone who understands or has put time into like figuring out exactly how big like scale wise or where things were located, whether it be on the east, north, west, whatever. Um, It's really cool to actually see it drawn out. So if you have, uh, if you need a Bible, we have our our ESV study Bible that's been really helpful and has like a really good layout of it. Or if you just want to take the time to look it up yourself, it's actually pretty incredible to see those details laid out like, oh, that's where the pomegranates are, or that's where the huge basin is. That's how huge the freaking altar is. (laughs) It is massive. Um, But just to see it laid out is actually pretty cool.
1: Um, Speaking of the items that were in the temple, when we were in Jerusalem, Jenny and I were in Israel about 10 years ago. And there's this organization years or <laughs> there's this organization i think it's called the temple institute yeah um it's located just beside the temple mount it's very close to the temple mount right now the temple mount has the alaska mosques on top of it so there's not really any um <laughs> jewish or christian
0: uh, places of worship uh-huh. on the
1: temple mount at this point but the temple institute is a group of people who have like collected money um, to recreate these items in the way they were, like yeah. in the way they were intended to be built. So when like, it says cast giant with bronze, exactly when cast it talks blue, about golden yeah. lampstands, there are golden lampstands and they are enormous. Um, you can go into the Temple Institute in Jerusalem and you can see these things. Um, the goofy thing about it is that they recreate <laughs> very
0: goofy. <laughs> They
1: recreated these things so that when um when we enter into the third temple period, uh, they have the items ready for the temple, and so they believe they're they're um they are Jewish people uh, they believe that they need to rebuild the temple when we were there, we were asking them some questions about what it would mean to rebuild the temple where the Al asqa mosque is right now. Um, and they very much believe that they need to destroy the temple, or they need to destroy that mosque mm-hmm. so that they can rebuild the temple, which would obviously create a lot of issues well, in had, Israel and around the world.
0: referred to it as like a World War III situation. Yes. It was like, okay, yeah. nice to meet you.
1: <laughs> and so th- the interesting thing about that place is that you can see all of these items in mm-hmm. the form that they were uh, directed to be made in. Uh, the goofy thing about it is we just don't believe in... The necessity of a temple at this point, we right. believe that um, our bodies is are a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit now lives in us, not in a building. Um, we believe that we don 't need a physical location to worship God. we worship God in spirit and in truth, and th- that 's an obvious difference that we have so mm-hmm. so it 's very cool to see the items
0: the veil was torn
1: <laughs> it 's very cool to see the items. Uh, it's just a little bit weird when you enter enter into conversation with these folks about their beliefs about the temple um and the issues that would create uh so we we had some really interesting conversation there like I I remember at one point somebody said well how does Jesus fit into this and they were just like well, we don't believe in Jesus we don't care about Jesus he doesn't fit in this at all um and another part of the conversation was well how are you going to how are you going to build the temple over there uh because there's obviously some pretty holy Muslim sites over there right now. And they're like, Oh, we'll just destroy them. Like we just need to wreck Mm. them and like get rid of them. Um, so it's a pretty surreal place to visit. Um, but it is connected to all this, all this stuff we're reading about the temple. It's cool to see. Um, but ultimately we believe that we no longer need a temple because we, in a sense are a temple. Mm -hmm. Um, and God lives in us and we, as the church are together as Christ's body doing the Lord's work today. So
0: I think it's kind of interesting what you just said, Um, like considering our own selves as like a, well, not even considering, like we are a temple uh, for God. So I think just like today, just recognizing like that is like, you are that temple. Like this was made up with such like specific measurements and materials that needed to be used, but like God saw it fit that he would reside within us. And I think just reflecting on that is kind of, it's kind of, it like blows my mind sometimes because like, whoa, what was meant to be like this super holy place is actually like God resides in us now. Um, so I think even just like reflecting on that today, um, and, understanding that you are a temple as well. Um, and just allowing the Lord time and space for like where he resides, um, and just giving that, that specific time to him. Because I think so often it's very easy to just like, oh, well, like I talked to God for about five minutes today or whatever, but just taking the time to allow him to reside in the temple that is us. Um, and just reflect on who he is, what he's done, how we've come so far from like this temple that Solomon built to to where we are now, where he resides in us. So I think just quick and easy little your part today, but I think it's helpful um, as we are understanding the temple in its history. So thanks for joining us today, guys. Tomorrow we'll be back in First Kings and Second Chronicles again.
1: Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing, Uh, If you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you, and every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word, and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today.
0: 1 Kings chapter 7. Solomon was building his own house 13 years, and he finished his entire house. He built the house of the Forest of Lebanon. Its length was a hundred cubits, and its breadth fifty cubits, and its height thirty cubits, and it was built on four rows of cedar pillars, with cedar beams on the pillars. And it was covered with cedar above the chambers, and there were forty-five pillars, fifteen in each row. There were window frames, in three rows, and window opposite window, in three tiers. All the doorways and windows had square frames, and window was opposite window, in three tiers. And he made the hall of pillars... Its length was fifty cubits, and its breadth thirty cubits. There was a porch in front of the pillars, and a canopy in front of them, and he made the hall of the throne, where there was to pronounce judgment, even the hall of judgment. It was finished with cedar from floor to rafters. His own house, where he was to dwell in the other court back of the hall, was like the workmanship." Solomon also made a house like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had taken in marriage. All these were made of costly stones, cut according to measure, sawed with saws, back and front, even from the foundation of the coping, and from the outside to the great court. The foundation was of costly stones, huge stones, stones of eight and ten cubits, and above were costly stones, cut according to measurement, and cedar. The great court had three courses of cut stone all around, and a course of cedar beams. So had the inner court of the house of the Lord, and the vestibule of the house. And the king Solomon sent and brought Hiram from Tyre. He was the son of a widow of the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was the man of Tyre, a worker in bronze. And he was full of wisdom, understanding, and skill for making any work in bronze, He came to King Solomon and did all his work. He cast two pillars of bronze. Eighteen cubits was the height of one pillar, and a line of twelve cubits measured its circumference. It was hollow, and its thickness was four fingers. The second pillar was the same. He also made two capitals of cast bronze to set on the tops of the pillars. The height of the one capital was five cubits, and the height of the other capital was five cubits. There were lattices of checker work with wreaths of chain work for the capitals on the tops of the pillars, a lattice for one capital and a lattice for the other capital. Likewise, he made pomegranates in two rows around the one lattice work to cover the capital. That was on the top of the pillar, and he did the same with the other capital. Now the capitals were on the tops of the pillars, in the vestibule were the lily work four cubits. The capitals were on the two pillars, and also above the rounded projection which was beside the lattice work. There were two hundred pomegranates in two rows all around, and so with the other capital. He set up the pillars at the vestibule of the temple. He set up the pillar on the south and called its name Jachin, and he set up the pillar on the north and called its name Boaz. And on the tops of the pillars was lily work. Thus the work of the pillars was finished. Then he made the sea of cast metal. It was round, ten cubits from brim to brim, and the five cubits high, and a line of thirty cubits measured its circumference. Under its brim were gourds, for ten cubits encompassing the sea all around. The gourds were in two rows, cast with it when it was cast. It stood on twelve oxen, facing, three facing north, and three facing west, three facing south, and three facing east. The sea was set on them, and on their rear parts were in, inward. Its thickness was a handbreadth, and its brim was like the brim of a cup, like the flower of a lily. It held 2,000 baths. He also made the ten stands of bronze. Each stand was four cubits long, four cubits wide, and three cubits high. This was the construction of the stands. They had panels, and the panels were set in the frames. And on the panels that were set in the frames were lions, oxen, and cherubim. On the frames, both above and below the lions and oxen, there were wreaths of beveled work. Moreover, each stand had four bronze wheels and axles of bronze, and the four corners were supports for the basin. These supports were cast with wreaths at the side of each. Its opening was with a crown that projected upward one cubit. Its opening was round, as a pedestal is made, a cubit and a half deep. At its opening there were carvings, and at its panels were square, not round, and the four wheels were underneath the panels, The axles of the wheels were on one piece with the strands, and the height of the wheel was a cubit and a half. The wheels were made like a chariot wheel. Their axles, their rims, their spokes, and their hubs were all cast. There were four supporters at the four corners of each stand. The supports were of one piece with the stands, and on the top of the stand was a round band, half a cubit high, and on the top of the stand, its stays and its panel were of one piece with it. And on the surfaces of its stays and on its panels, he carved cherubim, lions, and palm trees, according to the space of each, with wreaths all around. After this manner, he made the ten stands. All of them were cast alike, of the same measure and of the same form. And he made ten basins of bronze. Each basin held forty baths. Each basin measured forty cubits, and there was a basin for each of the ten stands. And he set the stands five on the south side of the house and five on the north side of the house. And he set the sea at the southeast corner of the house. Hiram also made the pots, the shovels, and the basins. So Hiram finished all the work that he did for King Solomon on the house of the Lord, the two pillars, the two bowls of the capitals that were at the tops of the pillars, and the two lattice works to cover the two bowls of the capitals that were at the tops of the pillars. And the four hundred pomegranates for the two lattice works, two rows of pomegranates for each lattice work to cover the bowls of the capitals that were on the pillars. Then the ten stands and the ten basins on the stands and the one sea and the twelve oxen underneath the sea. Now the pots, the shovels and the basins, all these vessels in the house of the Lord, which Hiram made for King Solomon, were of burnished bronze. In the plain of the Jordan, the king cast them in the clay ground between Succoth and Zerathan. And Solomon left all the vessels unweighed because there were so many of them. The weight of the bronze was not ascertained. So Solomon made all the vessels that were in the house of the Lord the golden altar, the golden table for the bread of the presence, the lampstands of pure gold. Five on the south side and five on the north, before the inner sanctuary, the flowers, the lamps, and the tongs of gold, the cups, snuffers, basins, dishes for incense, and fire pans of pure gold, and the sockets of gold for the doors of the innermost part of the house, the most holy place, and for the doors of the nave of the temple. Thus all the work that King Solomon did on the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things that David and his father had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and the vessels, and stored them in the treasuries of the house of the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 4 He made an altar of bronze, twenty cubits long and twenty cubits wide and ten cubits high. Then he made the sea of cast metal. It was round, ten cubits from brim to brim and five cubits high, and a line of thirty cubits measured its circumference. Under it were figures of gourds for ten cubits, encompassing the sea all around. The gourds were in two rows, cast with it when it was cast. It stood on twelve oxen, three facing north, three facing west, three facing south, and three facing east. The sea was set on them, and all their rear parts were inward. Its thickness was a handbreadth, and its brim was made like the brim of a cup like the flower of a lily. It held 3,000 baths. He also made ten basins in which to wash, and set five on the south side and five on the north side. In these they were to rinse off what was used for the burnt offering, and the sea was for the priest to wash in. And he made ten golden lampstands as prescribed, and set them in the temple. Five on the south side and five on the north side. He also made ten tables and placed them in the temple, five on the south side and five on the north. And he made a hundred basins of gold. He made the court of the priests and the great court and doors for the court and overlaid the doors with bronze. And he set the sea at the southeast corner of the house. Hiram also made the pots, the shovels, and the basins. So Hiram finished the work that he did for King Solomon on the house of God. The two pillars, the bowls, and the two capitals on the top of the pillars, and the two lattice works to cover the bowls of the capitals that were on the top of the pillars. And the four hundred pomegranates for the two lattice works, two rows of pomegranates for each, each lattice work, to cover the two bowls of the capitals that were on the pillars. He made the stands also, and the basins on the stands, and the one sea and the twelve oxens underneath it. The pots, the shovels, the forks, and all the equipment for these Haram Abi made of burnished bronze for King Solomon and for the house of the Lord, and the plain of the Jordan the king cast them, and the clay ground between Succoth and Zerida. Solomon made all these things in great quantities, for the weight of bronze was not sought. So Solomon made all the vessels that were in the house of God, the golden altar, the tables of bread of presents, the lampstands, and their lamps of pure gold, to burn before the inner sanctuary as prescribed." the flowers, the lamps, and the tongs of purest gold, the snuffers, basins, dishes for incense, and fire pans of pure gold, and the sockets of the temple for the inner doors of the most holy place and for the doors of the nave of the temple were of gold.
1: Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at part at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.